Hello and welcome to the Life Together podcast, where we share a meaningful conversation about living for Christ and loving one another. Thanks for joining today, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast. And full disclosure, this is actually the first episode that we're recording. It might not be the first one that's released, um, but this is the first time that we're stepping into the studio or the lab or whatever you want to call it. We're just hanging out in my office. Um, And joining me for this very first episode is somebody that everyone probably knows really well by now, I would imagine. But in case you're coming from outside of Lost River or are unfamiliar, um, he is our evangelist and one of our shepherds. Um, who's also my mentor and coworker and friend, Lawrence Kelly. So Lawrence, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jarrett. Glad to be here. And I guess, what are your thoughts on sort of this new project and maybe this new phase that it feels like we're stepping into here at Lost River? Yeah. So the Grow Together idea sort of uh, is one of those things that didn't all come together at once. It sort of grew. Uh, Toward the end of last year, the elders wanted to come up with a theme uh, for the year. We usually have some sort of a theme or plan for the year that we try to structure some things by. And uh, sometimes I'm really on board with that because it'll be an idea that I can really sink my teeth into. And other times I'm sort of resistant to it because you can sometimes feel sort of like held hostage by uh, a plan or a theme. Uh, But uh, this one started off, I think uh, John Birch really wanted us to focus this year on scripture memory and just wanted that to be a part of whatever plan we put together. And then that just sort of became the backbone of everything else as all the pieces fell together. So we we wanted the uh, to to do a weekly memory verse, and then out of that, I thought, well, you know, we could do a, a passage to kind of read and meditate and pray over as well. And then maybe we can take our weekly videos that we do and structure them around this uh, weekly passage and, and theme, and then. Well, why not our sermons uh, as well? And then Heidi came up with the idea of let's put together an app that we can put this on. And I think you and Heidi came up with the idea of calling it Grow Together, which just was like, as soon as I heard it, well, that's perfect. That's what we want to do as a congregation is grow in the Lord. And we want to grow together in the Lord as we grow closer to him. We're going to grow closer to each other. So all of it just sort of fell into place that way. And I really can't think of a theme that I've been more excited about uh, ever. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I'm i also really excited about it. And I also wanted to ask not just about the Grow Together plan, um, but also just sort of the excitement or anticipation of kind of what you see on the horizon here at Lost River as a whole. I know there was recently like a weekly Devo that was sent out where you mentioned something about how you (laughs) just have a good uh, feeling about this. Um, So I was just curious if if you want to expound on that at all, like like what what excites you about this phase that we're kind of entering into? Well, I think the best way to answer that is to kind of give a little bit of a history going back into 2019. I feel like 
the congregation here had a huge amount of momentum. There were some things we were working on congregationally, uh, and it just seemed like everything was falling into place coming into 2020, and then we all know what happened uh, with COVID. Um, and in spite of the fact that Lost River really got through that um, in an amazing way, I'm just very grateful to the Lord for how he led us through all of that um, and that we remained a unified group. And I, I think that there was was a good bit of spiritual growth. We grew numerically through all of that. So you know, enormously grateful, but it was also uh, exhausting. It was um, personally, it was just emotionally, spiritually, even physically draining, uh, and not just for the year 2020. It seems like the lingering impact of that continued on. And uh, at first, there was just kind of like this burst of energy of all the things we need to do. And we really got our, our video aspect of, of things built up and, and all. But there was just something about all of that that uh, I felt was really draining. I think a lot of people kind of eventually began to feel that. But it seems like things really have on that front kind of normalized. And it's put at least me and I think others in a position to really begin to think again forwardly and, and where we're, we're going. And, and so we've got this, this theme uh, and the, the scripture memory, the meditation, the slowing down and praying over, over the word, uh, I think can generate tremendous spiritual growth, unity. And as we look forward to the upcoming series uh, that we're calling We Believe, I think the content of those sermons, those scriptures that we're going to memorize and and meditate on are really powerful because they have to do with very fundamental, basic, life-generating truths of the gospel that we're going to be uh, focused on. And then coupling that with the desire to not just benefit from that ourselves, but to use it as a vehicle to invite other people who aren't Christians to come and, and share in, whether coming to our services or asking people to uh, meet with us and discuss these things. Uh, just seems to me to be, a, a, as I said in the video, a season that we're leaning into that's filled with possibility. So seeking the Lord's blessing on that, praying about it, and working hard, uh, you're, you, you and my uh, roles in, in the teaching and development of the material and all of that is something that I feel as motivated about as I have anything in a, in a really long time. Mm. Long answer. Mm. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, I'm excited. I know that a lot of other people are too, and it seems like you are not alone in that feeling that we've entered into kind of a new phase uh, perhaps getting back to what it was, you know, before before COVID, uh, but then excelling beyond that, reaching the trajectory of things uh, where it was headed before. Um, we've kind of picked ourselves back up by God's grace and are moving forward and pressing on. And it's exciting to see where God, by His Spirit, will will lead us. Yeah. Yeah, and being aligned uh, in these fundamental truths, you know, some of the things we'll be talking about, just our, our, our faith in the triune God and in all the things that Jesus has come here to 
do for us and to do in us and to do through us are the things we'll be talking about. Uh, and that's just very exciting. I think it, it aligns the congregation in a right direction with uh, some goals in mind of, of trying to grow and reach others um, wherever they are uh, with the gospel and for Christ is something that's inspiring. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, well, with with all of that uh, being said, we should probably get into uh, the topic specifically for today. Um, and I hope that with, with all of that, that this this podcast uh, can help move that vision forward, that this will in some way contribute to that, that through these conversations, through these interviews and the stories that are shared, um, the hope is that it will benefit us as we all grow together. Um, and so the topic the topic for today is um, what about anxiety? And maybe we can start with this, a phrase that I've heard you mention a couple times in conversation and in at least one of your recent lessons uh, is about how to be a non-anxious presence in a shalom-shattered world. And I, as a theology nerd, love that phrase. I love that idea. And I think there's so much that lies within that phrase. And uh, But maybe there's a lot of people who aren't familiar with some of that terminology, or maybe there's a lot that I'm still not even picking up on that's that's packed into that. So so maybe we can just start by unpacking that phrase. What does it mean to be a non-anxious presence in a shalom-shattered world? Yeah, well, probably the thing that's going to throw most people in that phrase is a shalom-shattered world. What in the world is is that? And of course, the word shalom is a Hebrew word that speaks of wholeness or peace or things being as they should be. Uh, and, and kind of echoes back to the Garden of Eden, uh, where man dwelt in a whole, uh, complete, um, peaceful relationship with God, with himself, and with, with one another, with Adam and Eve in that situation. But when sin entered the picture, and without trying to go off in too much of a psychological direction, this sort of self-awareness uh, seems to have spiked. And a realization of one's vulnerabilities and of the separation uh, between ourselves and God and a disruption within our own um, uh, sense of, of, of self and, and identity and all the problems that we, we struggle with and certainly uh, difficulty in relationships with other people. All of those things flow out of this uh, sin's presence in our lives and in our world and it it, I think, is well described by that expression, shalom shattered. And we're left in the aftermath of that. We're living in the uh, wreckage of uh, a beautiful and great and good world and creation, but one that is marred um, by the presence of, of sin. And one of the ways that that manifests itself is in our anxieties, our worries, our fear that can at times become quite crippling. Uh, and we want to um, live in the Lord and in the confidence that living in the Lord brings to have sort of like you, you phrased it there, um, a non-anxious presence in the midst of a shalom-shattered world. 
you know, I don't think that means that we're not going to have any anxieties. I think that's uh, a foolish thing to assume that any of us are, while living in this world, going to be utterly free of, of fear or worry or anxiety. And yet the scriptures are speaking to us constantly about fear not. One of the most common commandments in the Bible, fear not, don't be afraid. Um, cast all your anxieties on the Lord. Um, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Um, all, all of these things that consume our thoughts and anxieties and cause us to be afraid, God's regularly inviting us to step out of the, that and live in the peace and the comfort that comes from knowing that under underneath us uh, is not um, an infinite void, but the everlasting arms of a loving creator and of a redeemer who gave himself to restore us uh, to that peace that that we long for and that we need. So as Christians, being able to live in that peace and to have that is something that will really stand out in our world that is so anxiety-ridden. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the peace that transcends or surpasses all understanding. And in, and in the meantime, um, as God is in the process of putting all these as God's in the process of putting this shalom-shattered world back together, we still experience the brokenness of it and the shifting at times. And so that kind of leads into something else that I, I think is is interesting. Um, I mean, clearly anxiety is nothing new. We just detailed, kind of outlined throughout how, how this is present throughout the biblical story. Just a few weeks ago, our memory verse was... Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. So it's not like this is a new problem, a new experience. And yet at the same time, right now, there seems to be a rise in anxiety across cultures, across age groups, maybe especially right now for young people. Um, and perhaps sort of this part of the conversation is is more speculative than anything else. But why why do you think that is um, like. What do you make of this sort of upward trend that we're seeing in the rise of anxiety? Yeah, well, I think specifically, uh, it, it would be something akin to what Jesus told Peter uh, on the night that before he was betrayed, that Satan had asked for him that he might sift him as as wheat. Uh, that's a violent sort of shaking. Uh, and I, I feel like we have an enemy that also is seeking to sift us violently, shake us as wheat, uh, and pull us apart at the, at the seams. And the way that he's doing that in, in our time, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago in a sermon that we're, we're seemingly living in a time of an unrelenting psyop, you know, to use a, <laughs> A, a modern word today, um, and it's being administered through a, an information overload. There's so much information coming at us from everywhere all the time, and one of the uh, you know features of of modern technology and communications, like it or not, and here we are on a podcast, is that you are able to receive information at the speed of light 
uh, from everywhere in the world. Um, and it just, it just comes at you relentlessly. And we're constantly being encouraged to being involved and concerned about this cause and that ideology. And we're pushed and pulled uh, in all sorts of different directions. And um, it heightens our sense of being threatened. Uh, uh, we're more aware, perhaps, of all of the many dangers that exist around us in the world. We're being told about them constantly and told that we need to be afraid and need to be worried about all of this. And the one thing that we are not ever given is the opportunity or the invitation uh, to, to be still and know that he is God or to um, sit quietly meditating on scripture, contemplating the status of our soul in the presence of our God. And so it's that lack of quiet stillness in the presence of God, along with the constancy of inputs and communications that I think are in part generating uh, all of this. And then, you know, the specific aspect of social media that seems to be playing a part um, and the, the comparisons that come from that that generate feelings of insecurity uh, may be a part of it. And then we all just are aware whether this is something that's new or not is our inability to control outcomes and our desire to do so uh, just drives us crazy and, and creates a a lot of anxiety. Yeah. That, that be still reference that you mentioned made me think back to the moment when Israel is standing at the edge of the Red Sea or the Reed Sea and they have Pharaoh's army pressing in on them from behind in this, what I imagine to be these raging, roaring waters up ahead. And they feel that pressure, exactly what you talked about of being pulled, like pushed and pulled, feeling the tension of that, wondering how in the world, you know, the, the outcome of, of, of whatever it might be, their, the, their fate is in, entirely outside of their control in this moment. And Moses' word to the people is simply stand and see. And I just, I love that picture so much. And, and, you know, I think there's so much to unpack with that idea, stand and see, or be still and know that I am God, as the psalmist says. But some sometimes, I mean, it, it really just does, it, it seems, come down to that. Um, don't worry about what's outside of your control. Just stand and see the salvation of the Lord. And that might take patience, but stand in and trust and know that he is God. Yeah. And, you know, I think for me personally, and what I hear so many people talk about today are um, feelings of inadequacy that we're not up to the task or that the burdens and responsibilities that I have uh, on me are more than I can bear. And uh, I think all of us are going to feel that in different roles in our life. I'm sure that um, parents of small children uh, feel that, parents of teenagers, uh, young people trying to decide on their career and the direction that they're supposed to go in life. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that uh, you and I talk about in terms of our work as 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 preachers, and sometimes just pre- you know presenting a lesson, and you feel like, 
I just don't, I don't have it. I don't have what it takes or this, this lesson's no good. And again, the focus in all of that is so much on me. Um, and the more we become aware of ourselves, the more anxiety we're going to experience. Uh, someone said, when you look at the word anxiety, the middle letter is I. And the middle letter of the word pride is also I. And we may not like it for someone to say that the root cause of our anxiety is our pride, but in many instances, I think that that's the case. There's such a focus on me, I. And I don't know if I'm up to this. I don't know if I've got what it takes. I don't know if I'm pretty enough, if I'm good enough. You know, it's I, I, I all the way down. And it all comes back to exactly what you're saying. It's, well, then maybe it's time to be still and see that he is God. He's in control. You, you know, we, we need to do the best we can. Uh, it's certainly no excuse not to prepare ourselves to work hard, to do what is placed within our hand with as much excellence as we can. But at the end of the day, to know that the outcome rests in the hands of God and to trust in him to do what is beyond our ability to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's so powerful. I, I wonder if part of it also has to do with this sort of current era that we're in. And I, I think about how, right, we are, we are, I guess, in the postmodern era. And what tends to happen at the in-between phase of every era is this just sort of watery, chaotic, unknown world. Like just as uh, there's, uh, just as it's a watery chaos in the beginning in Genesis, it's like each new era, each new world that we step into as a people goes through that watery, chaotic time where it's not yet shaped and formed into something. And I think that times like that heighten anxiety where in postmodernism, it's not so much a new era as it is a total deconstruction of the era that came before it, the modern era. And so it's like, we're, we're not yet to that solid land that we can plant our feet on and feel some sense of security, even if it's not perfect, we at least have some solid footing to stand on. But right now, everything's just being deconstructed. And I think for me, that helps put my anxiety in perspective to recognize that in in some sense, the reason why this is a universal experience is because the world in some real sense is going through the shaking and quaking, I guess, of being shaped into something more to come. And this deconstruction process is just really difficult. It's an anxious time. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a really, really good point and certainly is a major contributor to some of the background anxiety that a lot of people feel and maybe can't put their finger on. And I think the way you articulated that would be helpful to a lot of people and just making sense of, of why do I feel this way? There, there are so many institutions, structures, patterns of thought that are now up for grabs, being questioned, being tossed aside. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, that's nothing new in the sense that as history moves along, it faces those 
times of, of chaos and upheaval and restructuring. And I think your diagnosis is correct. We, we, we know kind of what's being left behind, but we don't know yet what we're moving toward. Uh, and that is, that is frightening. Um, and as Christians, uh, you know, we may not be able to have a prophetic vision of exactly what's going to come next, but we, I do think, have some biblical uh, insight into what's ultimately is to come. And uh, studying the book of Revelation right now, and, and you get to the end of the book, and, and you see a new Jerusalem coming down, and it's uh, new heavens and new earth, and, and it is the reestablishment of uh, shalom. Um, the, the shattered shalom from Genesis 3 uh, is restored and even better than before, and God and, and man dwell together in peace and in harmony. So we, we know where it's going, and we should be able to find peace and comfort in the, presence, uh, in the present chaos with that. Now, that, that doesn't mean that uh, in the shaking, in the pressing of the present cultural moment, that there won't be uncertainty and anxiety and, and trying to figure out what this means. And, and, and maybe, uh, to me, more anxiety comes from not just wondering how all this is going to shake out, but what role do I need to play in it? And um, I think the only way to come up with answers to that is to, to stay grounded in Scripture, to keep coming back to letting the Lord speak to us in His Word, having those be still and, and wait upon the Lord um, in prayer, uh, and, and staying in close union with each other, uh, having a band of brothers and uh, sisters that you can rely on, that you can trust in a world where so many things seem uncertain and so many people seem to be untrustworthy, so many things are shaking and moving to have some reliable ground uh, to stand on in, in terms of your fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's one of the beautiful things about the church and what I think we're we're called to be both for each other, and again, thinking of it evangelistically as an island in a sea of chaos for the world to be able to uh, say, hey, I don't know what in the world is happening. Everything's going crazy, but here's some people, even if I don't necessarily agree with everything they say or believe, uh, I can at least see that there's something solid and trustworthy to be found there, and maybe that'll become a, a point of contact with with the world yeah yeah I love that and I do I do want to talk solutions um, not just diagnose the problem but talk about um, how we can be a non-anxious presence and participate in what God is doing to put things back together um, and it seems to me like there's kind of two extremes that w- we can go to when talking about anxiety and, and perhaps solutions and the first is just to say, stop it, right? Um, when when someone uh, is going through something difficult, when they feel that anxiety or depression settling in on their lives, uh, it's the rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And it's like, I, I don't know how helpful that is. That's um, probably very few uh, counselors would just uh, allow their... Uh, uh, patient to come in and and they would just say stop it you know <laughs> like simple solution and and so sometimes Bob I feel I yeah yeah, yeah yeah that comedy <laughs> sketch yeah 
Um, yeah, it's so it's hilarious. Go go look it up. But um, but I don't imagine that uh, that is the most helpful way of talking about anxiety to just tell people to stop it. But on the other end of that spectrum, I guess is is to just kind of embrace it, to just kind of accept it. Um, accepting defeat, uh, that yes, it is out my, outside of my control. So therefore why try to struggle through this at all? Or, uh, I feel so defeated or I've prayed about this so much that I just feel like there is no answer. And so I'm just going to accept that this is the state of mind that I'll perpetually be in. And that can be a really defeating place. And I, I, want to sympathize with people in that position and perhaps we all experience moments like that but it seems like those are kind of two extremes that we can go to where on the one hand it's just stop it on the other hand it's embrace it but what do you think is a better and perhaps more biblical way of talking about and working through anxiety as Christians yeah those are uh, really helpful ways of trying to frame it. Um, You know, Jesus gives quite a bit of teaching about this in the Sermon on the Mount, both uh, in his instructions about prayer. Uh, I walked through that a few weeks ago in a a lesson uh, that the Father uh, already knows what we we, we stand in need of, but then he picks it back up toward the end of chapter six and specifically addresses uh, the problem of, of worry, of anxiety, and, uh, you know, not to uh, rebut your statement earlier that it's not best to tell people just don't worry, stop being anxious. It, it is interesting that scripture is repeatedly telling mm-hmm. us that, including Jesus saying, don't worry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think it's like, is it, I think it's 365 times in the Bible where it says, do not fear. That's like the stat. The yeah. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's the famous like preacher stat. Yeah. I've never fact checked that, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, there is something to that. Yeah. Do not fear. And uh, yet it, it's not, him just saying, don't be afraid. I, I remember back in the, the 80s when I was growing up, there was the war on drugs and Nancy Reagan, uh, the uh, president's wife, uh, came up with the, the slogan, uh, just say no. Uh, and that was, you know, the, the great philosophy of how to, how to battle uh, the drug um, problem of, of the 80s was just, just say no. And to me, it's so transparently problematic that, that that's an inadequate response because people say yes or they say no to things for a reason. Um, and you've got to come up with a better reason not to than somebody else's reason to do something if you're trying to get people to behave in a, a ethical or moral way. And this, the same thing's true here. You know, it, it, it's not sufficient just to say, don't worry. And the scriptures don't do that. It doesn't just say, don't worry, and that's the end of the matter. But it tells us things like Peter saying, cast your cares, cast your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. Um, Jesus says basically the same thing here in Matthew 6, where, where he says, don't, don't be anxious, don't worry, for your father already knows 
you know, that you, that you have need of these things. Um, so I think it comes back to reminding ourselves over and over again that God is our, our father, that that means that he loves us, that he takes care of us, and that he will, he will provide for us and see us through. Uh, that he has a plan, and uh, we we are often not going to see it in the midst of the chaos, but trusting that he does. And as I said before, that you know it's not um, a bottomless chasm that we're suspended over, but we're we have beneath us his everlasting arms. And so, what what are we to do? Well, we're to we're to do what we can. We're to seek first the kingdom of God. We're to busy ourselves with the good that's right in front of us. And so, we we are not probably going to to have a vision of the whole solution to the problem or how to make things turn out. But usually if we'll focus on the one thing that's in front of us right now that we can do and get to work on it, we'll find that our anxiety reduces significantly. Um, it's when we allow our imaginations to spiral out of control and we just sit there and worry about things that are beyond our control that it gets worse and worse. But when we start being faithful in whatever he's put in front of us, uh, we, we, we gain a, a, a control over our anxiety and we find ourselves actually being useful in moving things forward. You know, I think it's also helpful to just realize that worry has never done me any good. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, you know, worry's never paid a bill. Worry's never made me a better husband. It's never helped me be a better parent, preacher, or person. Uh, it, worry never comes through for me. Um, so, so why, why give it such a privileged place in my imagination and in my life? Uh, trust in the Father and um, and don't give place to anxiety to to get that strong grip in my life. Yeah, I lo- I love what you said about l- focusing on what you can control on what's right in front of you. And I think that's really the central message of Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom, because it does come in that very same section that he's talking about worry and anxiety. Um, but it's interesting how you, it's almost like you could take that even down to the smallest level. Like um, maybe I could say it like this. Um, uh, I heard someone word at one time, like anxiety is not a sin, it's a signal. And, and, and so when we feel anxious, when we feel worried, we shouldn't berate ourselves for feeling this way or for experiencing this, but recognize that, okay, it is signaling something. And what is that? It, what need is it indicating yeah. kind of like a check engine light or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it'll help you identify your, your idols. Fear and anxiety is yeah. a good way to identify the idols that are, are, um, operative in your life. And, yeah. and, and if we're willing to do the work of tracing those things out, like you're saying, uh, it can reveal some things in our lives that we would, well, we really don't like to admit, but like, uh, you know, whether maybe it's money, I worry about money. I, I worry about um, not having enough, uh, or I worry about not having the right words to say in a given situation, and people 
won't think as highly of me as I want to be thought of. And so it's like our, our status is our idol. And, um, you know, there, there's a thousand different routes that we could travel down, but our anxieties, as you say, are signaling to us uh, where the sin might be, where the yeah. idol might be. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about that is in that sense, the shaking might actually be a good thing. Mm. Right. Um, and uh, Hebrews talks about this. Um, the Hebrew writer, whoever that was, um, talks about how uh, God says, I will once more shake things, um, indicating the removal of things that are shaken. That is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken remain. And so when we experience that shaking in our individual lives, or as a community, or as a nation and world, of course that comes with anxiety. Of course that comes with great fear. But perhaps as those other things fall and crumble, uh, these things that we often try to lean the weight of our life upon, as they fall out from beneath us, we realize what's truly valuable, that which cannot be shaken, and it and it reveals that to us, yes. and we can stand on that solid ground once again. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, you know, when you think about the context, in my opinion, of, of that statement in Hebrews, there were so many things that Christians were living through the removal of, the shaking uh, of, um, including maybe the, the temple itself and the sacrifices and the priesthood and all of the the various structures that people had relied upon as the means by which they maintained uh, a, a, a religious life and fellowship with God, and those things were were being taken away. Uh, and what was left? Well, the, the sacrifice, once for all sacrifice of Christ, uh, that can't be removed. Uh, it stands eternal, and it, it will never be shaken, never be taken out of the way. And so to, to know the comfort uh, that we have of being able to uh, seek forgiveness, seek reconciliation with God through the, the death of Christ, to, to know that we have his mercy, his love, his truth uh, that's revealed to us in Scripture, those things are the permanent things that, that cannot be removed, and uh, learning to rely upon those things and rest the weight of our lives on them, as you said, uh, it's not pleasant but if the shaking and the um, removal of those things in our lives help us to do that, then from an eternal perspective, it's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, like you mentioned before, like what an incredible opportunity that presents to us. Um, 1 Peter 3.15 talks about um, always being prepared to make a defense for the hope that is in you. And sometimes it seems like we focus on the first part of that, be ready to make a defense that is like, you know, maybe that means be ready to have a Bible study or something like that. But that's not, that's not really what it, what it is. The, the emphasis, I think, is on this, this hope that we have, this firm foundation that we're standing on as everything's falling apart, and then people looking to that in 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 seeing that wow there's there's a people that are a city set on a hill in a world of darkness that um there is a uh, hope within this person when everything seems to be falling 
apart. And when we combat the forces of despair, when we are able to be that non-anxious presence that is full of hope and confidence and peace in this shalom-shattered world, it makes a real difference. And people notice and people want to be a part of that. And so what an amazing opportunity it is uh, presented to us, even though it may be hard, even though we're all experiencing that anxiety, um, still what, what an amazing opportunity it is for us to be that light. So, um, but I, I want to pivot before we close um, and, and maybe just make this a little bit personal. Um, being a non-anxious presence is hard, and I know you've used this example a lot, but you take Paul, for example, where in the book of Acts, as Luke reflects on Paul's life, uh, Paul is like a superhero. Um, on the outside, he is calm, cool, collected. He is that non-anxious presence. He's that fearless leader. Nothing can uh, stop him from pursuing God's purposes to the ends of the earth. But then we hear his own account in particularly 2 Corinthians, and on the inside, he feels crushed, he's pressured, he feels burnt out and beat up, um, and yet he's not driven to despair. And so um, I imagine that in some similar sense, a lot of people probably see you in a similar way, right? Confident, um, a fearless leader, that non-anxious presence. But what what has it been like on the inside for you with your own, I guess, experience of anxiety? And then what's gotten you through it? How have you not been driven to despair? Well, I, I yeah, I appreciate the comparison. Uh, I, I don't, uh, I know I don't measure up to that standard, uh, having never endured the kind of pressures that that Paul uh, underwent. But you're right. I mean, all of us have our own burdens to bear and our own battles to fight. And uh, there certainly are, you know, times and seasons of life where, as a preacher. Or, uh, you know, and again, I know other people in their walks of life have this as well, but you, you've got to keep it together and you've got to uh, continue to do your work even when you're really uh, not feeling it or you're, you're hurting or you're, uh, um, you're, your confidence is really uh, weak or uh, whatever the pressure that you're feeling is. And um, I think maybe one of the ways that I've gotten through that when it was at its worst is trying to remind myself that, you know, this isn't all about me. Um, and uh, maybe one of the causes, again, going back to my thing about the letter I and anxiety is that we, we are a very self-centered culture, I think. And we do think a lot about our feelings and how I'm feeling and how I'm looking and, and all of, all of that. Um, but if we stay focused on the task uh, and realize that I've got a job to do and the job is too important for me to let my feelings in the moment um, become the central point, then I think we're going to be in a, in a better place. And then ultimately remembering, as we've tried to talk about throughout this podcast, 
that, uh, yeah, I can't handle it. I don't have uh, what it takes uh, ultimately to to do all of this. I've got to rest in the Lord. I've got to trust in Him to get me through it. And, you know, at, what am I, 53 years old now and been preaching for 30-something years, uh, he, he never has failed. Um, one way or another, he's always got me through. Uh, still standing, still here. Uh, and as we said at the earlier part of the podcast, feeling very optimistic right now about what the near future holds for us as a congregation and the things that we have planned. So yeah, I mean, he's he's brought me through so many things. And by now, I've begun to develop a bit of a track record that I can lean on when I really am having those difficult days or difficult moments of knowing that if if I can persevere through this, I'm going to come out on the other side and it's going to be good. Uh, and if I don't collapse, if I don't quit, if I don't give up, that I'll get through this and I'll learn to lean more on the Lord in those moments. Then when you get to the other side, it's like they're all the more precious and all the more valuable uh, because you've proven the Lord one more time. He is faithful. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He got me through another <laughs> another uh, time in the fire, and here we are standing on the other side. And and when you praise him, then it feels like you've uh, you've got the right to do so. You've 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 I don't want to say you've earned it, but because you you trusted him in the storm, uh, now you know that your praise on the mountaintop is is real because you you didn't deny him you didn't give up when it was when it was tough yeah wow well that's awesome and extremely helpful yeah um so and maybe we can close out with this um if someone is listening to this uh and maybe they're thinking hey I'll, that's what i want to be i want to be a non-anxious presence where would you recommend that they start? I mean, we've talked a lot about kind of solutions and kind of big ideas and some even very small things, but what do you think are like, you know, the first steps, you know, someone's going to wake up tomorrow morning. What do you think is like the initial thing uh, as far as being a non-anxious presence starting today? Uh, I would, I'd recommend as practical as possible to download the, uh, Lost River Together app. You can go to the app, Apple Store and download the Lost River Together app. And on there, you will find scriptures nice to plug. memorize. You'll find passages to meditate over. You'll find videos that uh, are encouraging and up uplifting and discussion questions that'll get you thinking in the right way. So in all seriousness, uh, yeah, to, to me, it's it's like you're not going to do, you're not just going to get less anxious because you you wanted to be it's going to be because you've taken the practical steps to get you in that place where the lord wants you and can pour into you the things that uh, you need in order to become uh less uh ridden with anxiety so get into his word and and get into prayer um and those quiet moments uh the the lord jesus nobody faced more trials troubles and tribulations than he did. And we we know that over and over and over and over again, the scripture says that he withdrew to quiet places, to secret places, to deserted places, 
so that he could spend time in the presence of the Father. And in those places, in those private moments, he found the power to be in public, that non-anxious presence that has continued to attract the world for 2,000 years. So if, if we think that we can get through this um, without that, uh, then who do we think we are? You know, if, if Jesus, the Son of God, needed those kinds of uh, moments in order to find that strength, then certainly we're going to have to do that. And, you know, to begin your day by getting, uh, someone said, happy in the Lord, to finding rest so that you can begin to move forward uh, in that strength. Wow, that's that's a powerful thing. So I, I would say, yeah, that's exactly what we need to do is slow down, take a deep breath, open your, your Bible, and not try to see how many chapters you can read this morning, but to, uh, to get into the Word, to communicate, to let it... Um, to let it have its way with you until you don't just have the word in you, but the word uh, has hold of, of you. Yeah. Well, that's, that's such a great point and, um, in great uh, initial step and daily step to yeah. continue on. And yeah, there's never going to be a once for all thing that you've right. done. It, yeah. No silver bullet. Yeah. Continual discipline. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, the example of Christ in that is, of of course, the the most um, uh, the the most perfect example of that. Where, as you said, he's uh, often throughout the Gospels finding lonely places to go and be alone with the Father, and then even down to what is the night that he's betrayed, the night before the cross, where he's in the garden, and there is no more anxious moment imaginable for a human to experience so much so that for Christ his sweat becomes like drops of blood upon the ground and what does he do he prays um, over and over again it seems he he prays in however much time he was there but specifically lord if it be your well, let, let this cup pass for me, I pray, yet not my will, but thy will be done. And it's putting a specific, it's putting flesh, it's embodying what Paul talks about from that verse, Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication or petition, present your request to God in the peace uh, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's as if exactly what you're saying, how he wrestles with peace in private, with these anxious thoughts in the garden, uh, so that when he faces the cross, he is exactly that. He is that non-anxious presence in a shalom-shattered world, and he becomes the one who begins to put it all back together. Yeah. And it, it does seem as you read through the text that right there is is really where the battle was was decided because while the the crucifixion itself was obviously the 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 thing, he just seems to be so composed uh largely through it. I mean there is the the cry um uh 
Eli Eli Lama Sabachthani on it that that is is a, maybe uh, a little bit of a, a dink in my argument here, but but by and large throughout his trial, throughout his uh, time on the cross, he's composed. He's thinking of others. He's he's praying, Father, forgive them. Thinking of his mother and her well being and. Uh, taking care of the criminal uh, and promising him that he'll be with him in, in paradise and, and saying it is finished and father into thy hands I commit my spirit. It just seems like he's he's got it together once he's there, but it was there in the garden in that time of, of quiet um, that he won the battle in prayer. And uh, you know, Peter, James and John were were sleeping. He gave them three wake up calls, and they they slept. They hit the snooze button every time, and uh, it may look like on the outside that in that moment that they were the ones who were peaceful. They had it together. I mean, they're they're sleeping soundly, and Jesus is sweating like drops of blood, face in the ground, crying out to God, wrestling. He looks like the one who's the anxiety ridden one, but he's 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 there with and in the with the father and he's he's winning the battle in prayer and and then when the test comes he's ready and peter and the rest of them fall away um so yeah i think if we're going to get through whatever's ahead of us and whatever's coming um we're going to have to spend some time in the garden yeah Absolutely. Well, this has been an awesome conversation, and uh, this throughout my time here at Lost River has really been just about my favorite part. Um, there's been, we've we've got to have a lot of conversations together throughout these two years, and it's been uh, a neat experience to now get to I don't know have people sit in on one of our uh, nerdy <laughs> Bible conversations, and uh, you know hopefully it's been helpful. I know it's been all of these conversations, but this one uh, of course has been extremely um, helpful for me, um, and uh, I I will move forward. Um, I think I'll al always have in mind that statement, uh, being a non-anxious presence in a shalom-shattered world, um, and uh, knowing that we don't, we don't have to shoulder the load alone, that we have had um, our forerunner, uh, Christ, come and, and do exactly that, and we're just following in his footsteps. So thank you for uh, joining the, the conversation today. This was, this was really fun. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it.